If you're a fan of college hoops, you got to love this time of year. I mean, teams representing a variety of schools put pride and reputation on the line in a high-stakes contest of prowess and resolve. I'm not talking about the NCAA basketball tournament. I'm talking about the other March Madness, the one that takes place every other year when top administrators from Indiana's public colleges and universities converge on Indianapolis to jump through the state's budgetary hoops. Last week, they appeared before the Senate Appropriations Committee to outline their funding requests and perhaps more important in this area of fierce competition and financial uncertainty to explain precisely what their institutions are doing to bolster the state's economic future. Hi, I'm John Chuanis, and on this edition of Indiana Lawmakers, we'll examine how the state's evolving workforce development needs are shaping or reshaping public higher education. We'll start with this legislative update from WFYI Public Media's Eric Weddle. Funding for higher education is never an easy process at the State House. Lawmakers question a college's graduation rates, tuition increases, and the overall value for students. Why give more state dollars, they ask, if universities aren't doing all they can to graduate the best and brightest. A performance-based funding model has been used to give the institutions an incentive to hit certain goals. Yet this year, as IU President Michael McRobbie says, there's worry that appropriations are just too low. I'm concerned, however, that the level of operating appropriations included in the House budget would make it extremely difficult for Indiana University to continue the partnership with you and to keep tuition increases low. Under the House's two-year budget plan, operating funds for universities would increase by only 1.7%. But Purdue and Indiana State would see a 0.8% decrease from current funding levels. The University of Southern Indiana gets just a 0.2% increase. Former Governor and Purdue President Mitch Daniels suggested the performance funding formula may need a review. I understand, by the way, and support the idea of stability in the formula. You can't be changing it every year. At least I wouldn't know how. Maybe should this result be um, addressed in some way. It remains to be seen if the Senate will consider increasing funding or tweaking the funding formula this session. For Indiana Lawmakers, I'm Eric Weddle. And thanks, Eric. Back in a moment with our weekly roundtable discussion. Indiana Lawmakers, from the State House to your house. What if a robotic arm could help disabled students reach for their dreams? It does. Introducing RoboDesk. To learn more about this and more than 400 other world-changing Purdue technologies, visit otc-prf.org. At the top of the show, I referred to higher education's biennial battle for operating and capital appropriations as the other March Madness. Now, that might be a bit of hyperbole, but not much, given that Indiana's public colleges and universities are struggling to reconcile dwindling state support with a growing list of legislative demands, or at least expectations, concerning what they teach, whom they teach, and how quickly they teach it. Add to that an unrelenting pressure not to increase tuition, and you have the makings of, well, April apprehension. Joining me to talk about delivering a post-secondary education that's up to the challenges of the 21st century global economy are Republican Representative Todd Houston of Fishers, Senior Vice President of State and District Partnerships at the College Board, Democratic Representative Sheila Klinker of Lafayette, a former elementary school teacher and outreach liaison for the Purdue University College of Education, Teresa Lubbers, who spent 17 years in the Indiana Senate and chaired that body's Education and Career Development Committee before becoming Indiana's Commissioner for Higher Education in 2009, 
and Nasser Padar, Chancellor of Indiana University, Purdue University in Indianapolis, and Executive Vice President of Indiana University, where he has been a member of the faculty for more than 30 years. Once again, my little bachelor's degree and I are just going <laughs> to shut her over here in the corner. Thank you all for, for being here for this discussion. Very important to Absolutely. many of us, including those of us who have kids uh, in college or approaching there. Todd Houston, uh, the, the uh, House budget that, that you voted for twice, both in uh, House Ways and Means Committee and uh, on the floor of the House, 1.7% increase overall for higher education in the biennium. Is that enough? I think it has to be enough, John. I mean, you know, we're just trying to manage a variety of different needs and, and a variety of different priorities. And for us, we felt like that was the most responsible number this year, obviously, with, with priorities like infrastructure funding and, um, and, and traditional K-12. But, you know, we'd all like to put more in uh, uh, higher education. We're all thinking about different ways that, that we can help support the, the, the university system in this state, a great public university system. But for right now, that was the number that, that we felt we could afford, and we'll come back again in April after we have a new revenue forecast and, and see what else we can do. And for context, that's about half, I think, of what it was in the, in the, for the current biennium. But again, April will tell us more April when we will see tell the, us the more. numbers. You voted against that, Sheila Clanker, if I I'm did. not mistaken. In the same two places, your counterpart voted for it, both in Ways and Means and on the floor. Uh, your your former uh, colleague uh, and governor, former governor, now Purdue President Mitch Daniels, wasn't at all necessarily happy with aspects of that budget. Is that your concern, uh, how it affected Purdue and some of the other institutions? Yes, absolutely, because we've frozen tuition for five years. Uh, we've also encouraged our students uh, to graduate in four years um, and certainly to work harder and make sure that they take 15 credit hours. Uh, which not all students have always done at Purdue University. So we are encouraging them to graduate in four years for sure, and that's not always easy at Purdue University uh, with many of the offerings. So I'm, I'm looking forward to the budget forecast because I understand that it will be better than the last one. Um, Larry DeBoer is our ag econ gentleman who does a lot of that work and hopefully um, we're going to be able to add yes, a little bit to that. a few extra dollars in there during the forecasting process but uh, we're hoping so oh okay well there you go but again even if there's additional funding money to go into the overall higher education till with performance-based funding for at least what is it six percent or so of that of those dollars that could still put Purdue at a disadvantage, could it not? I mean, yes, because it could. of the way that it's calculated, what, six years in arrears? Is that, and that was Mitch yes, Daniels' concern? Yes, and I think President Daniels made that very clear uh, at the Senate Finance uh, hearing and also at the Ways and Means. He did a great job, along with the rest of the presidents, uh, certainly touting the message that 1.7% uh, probably is not enough. Uh, because of the, the fact that we really have held back tuition. Uh, for a while, I know it was increasing dramatically, and it was tough for parents to afford, but I, I think we've tried to take care of that situation in the last few years. And you mentioned 1.7 uh, overall, but for Purdue, I think it was an actual negative a loss it from was. the previous uh, biennium of 0.8%. That's so. correct. Mm -hmm. Theresa Lubbers, now performance-based funding has been a priority uh, all the way back to 2003, before you were, six years before you even arrived at the Commission on Higher Education, and the idea being that you need, there needs to be an alignment between the goals of the state in terms of workforce development and the mission of the universities in producing, attracting, producing mm -hmm. students that are, that are you know, well-tuned for, for those needs. 
Is there something fundamentally wrong with the, the formula? I know it was, you touted the fact that last uh, biennium it had been in place for two years, which did allow for some apples to apples comparisons. Is it time to tweak it again, though? Well, given what we've seen with Purdue uh, and some. Thanks for the question. And uh, the philosophy for performance funding is that you pay for what you value. And uh, clearly, we value getting more students to graduate. As Sheila has indicated, mm -hmm. getting more to graduate on time whenever possible, getting more of our at risk students to graduate. You know, producing more high-impact degrees. And if you look at the metrics, and yes, we've had three biennia now with the same metrics essentially in place, it would be hard to argue that it hasn't worked. I mean, the numbers are very impressive, and I'm mm -hmm. delighted at how the colleges and universities have wrapped their arms around those metrics. Um, all of those metrics are based on student success, uh, and so you, you know, there's no perfect way uh, to actually calculate the time period. Um, I think President Daniels would be, uh, is certainly a supporter of performance funding. He, he has, made, he he made has that always clear, been I a, think, a the, of performance funding. Yes. And I think he recognizes that some of the more recent efforts will be um, rewarded in future, but performance has to be based on performance. It can't be based on the potential going forward. You have to actually acknowledge that based on what has happened. And you can't have a blunt instrument of a one-year period of time. It, certainly you would have far more disgruntlement if you did that than if you smoothed it over the way we do, which is this delta between two, three-year rolling averages over a six-year period of time. Much fairer the, way to do it. The concern would have been about volatility. You might have a school Absolutely. that's uh, Absolutely. Up, up and down yeah. one year and out. You know, as I look back, uh, as I was uh, doing my homework for the show, I did look at the performance factors back to 2003, and it is interesting to see how they changed because the initial uh, formula factors were how many students yep. and basically how many projects, construction projects you got going. That's, that's about it. Sure. And now, of course, again, it's at-risk students. It's remediation. It's time uh, th that you get people in the door and out upon completion, these sorts of things. Which is better from your perspective? Well, universities here are uh, uh, to serve the state. And the best we could do that is educate as many Hoosiers as we can. And that is the investment that we make in our future here. So we think that graduation of students is really the most important, highest priority for universities. Therefore, we believe that the performance-based funding in the state of Indiana is one that really motivates universities and education. We just hope that there is a little bit more funding coming from state going towards that. We are very, very appreciative from General Assembly in recent years. Commission for Higher Education has done a marvelous job, and we know that there is a huge demand on the budget of the state, but we think that any dollar invested in universities will make it easier for students to go through education. We won't have the pressure of increasing tuition. We want to keep it there. And of course, when you look at our UPI with 93% of our students from state of Indiana, we think that we are really investing in the future of Indianapolis and Indiana through education. And you would say that even if you were uh, losing 0.8% as Purdue is, as opposed to getting under the House budget, 2.8%. I would makes have, it easier to I, be. Uh, it, it is easier to say that, but that is sure. that is the reason for universities' existence to educate people. I They're think it's important to remember that performance funding is based on who's your students as right. well, and right. so right. you can you know you're, we're basically paying for those metrics based on who's your students, and you will see at Purdue uh, that they've made a commitment to actually increasing the number of who's your students, which will also help right. going forward. Uh, when you look at, at the metrics and how they helps, will be helps in a way, but not necessarily in another way in terms of, of funding, because you look at some of the premiums that were placed on enrollment by out of state or out of nation students right. at Purdue, and that was 
Pretty significant. Short term. I mean, I think I think if you take the the short term view, John, I can understand that. But when you take the long term view, I think performance based funding has been very successful. As as Commissioner Lovers notes, has driven all the metrics that we really care about with a focus on Indiana students. I think President Daniels has has noted that. Uh, First of all, you know, he's a national leader in in this space of helping drive down costs, keep tuition flat for five years. I mean, really, he is a model for, I think, what we all want to see done. I think he acknowledges that he had to come in and reprioritize because of the performance funding formula to make sure that they were they were driving towards those metrics. So I, I find that to be in, uh, part of the success story of performance-based funding. And I think, you know, in, in the, sure, there's a short-term dip for Purdue, which I think he's managed brilliantly. But on the other side of it, they're going to see great rewards because they're meeting the area. They're, they're, they've reshaped their programs and their policies to support Indiana students and, and will be rewarded within the performance-based funding. And we, made a, and we made a commitment to look at performance funding after this budget session. I'll be meeting with all the college presidents again yeah. to say, you know, are these metrics still driving the behaviors in the right way? Essentially, 90% of the money that's rewarded in performance funding are those big three, change in degree, on-time, and at-risk students. I think those are still the right three. But we need to look at some of the metrics to see how they impact all the schools. We made a commitment to do that. Uh, but I feel that the metrics are very defensible and moving the performance in the way that we want. It's interesting to note that other states are copying that. That's, that's true. So I mean, it is uh, moving so more he, toward this. President and Daniels and our other presidents and vice presidents have really made an impact throughout the country because they're looking at that with affordability throughout the country. Oh, and, and as has been noted, Purdue has gotten a lot of national ink lately with, right. its, mm-hmm. with its five-year freeze, uh, with certainly its, uh, uh, the novel approach that uh, Purdue is taking with its income share agreement, right. which is, uh, we could probably spend a whole show on it's that, new, talking about, right. um, uh, it's a way basically that universities and their endowment funds can invest in, in the student scholarships, and they That's pay right. back on a percentage of their, of mm-hmm. their wages upon graduation. So. Right. Um, Atlantic Monthly just did a big piece like this month on it. So it, it's interesting to see that there is a lot of, um, you know, torch. We're being the torchbearer here in Indiana as, uh, as other states and other right. uh, districts or other universities look to see what's going on here. But, but I also think what Commissioner Oliver said was important too. You know, this is the third biennium we've gone through with the same metrics. That's important. I mean, you've got to let people adjust to what we're trying to measure, let them have a chance to change their policies, change their admissions policies, change the way they're educating students. And, and I'll just note as a, as a uh, dad who's got a junior in high school and freshman in high school, and we do visit campus visits, it's incredible to me to see the commitment to the colleges and universities now about keeping students, about making sure they're graduating on four years. I think that is fabulous. And anything that we can do as a state uh, policy body to encourage that, I think is a win for, for most importantly, the students, but for the, the college universities too, and, and all Hoosiers. And Art, do you think that, uh, you know, there's this, we talked about the alignment of state priorities uh, with the university priorities. A lot of this, whether it's performance-based funding or any other aspect, it's basically, what does the state need in terms of workforce? What skills does it need to compete globally in the 21st century? And so we have a wealth of proposals that have been put forward, and uh, we'll talk about a few of those here. Well, former Representative Steve Braun, uh, whose Who's brother Mike work, serves, now at Workforce uh, Development, is is uh, very eager to not only keep our students in Indiana, but certainly to provide some work areas uh, and develop the programs that will train them for advanced manufacturing and other jobs that are prevalent now, uh, where we don't have people. 
to fill and, them. And part of this would be a, an overall streamlining or, or right. recalibration of our, <laughs> of our economic development efforts and workforce uh, development efforts. Uh, but again, a part of this also is making sure that there is funny, funding and money available for students at whatever stage in their careers, including mid-career individuals or people who are perhaps out of work through no choice of their own, to go back and get uh, additional skills, right. have it paid for. In fact, that's, that's the so crux of uh, HB of, uh, 1008, yeah, your bill. House Bill 1008, the, the House Republican um, agenda bill and Governor Holcomb's priority bill, is to do exactly that, John. I, I think the money in the system isn't the problem. It's how the money is being spent within the system. A billion dollars across 30 different programs across nine different agencies. We need to get that money streamlined and go into those things we know to be successful. But, you know, we're, uh, Commissioner Lover's done a phenomenal job in House Bill 1008 as a workforce ready grant, an opportunity for, for students to enter in, coming back to get high wage, high demand job certificates that have stackable credentials, 18 and 29 credit hours that really deliver two things. One, it, it, at the end, it's a, it's a first step towards a, a high paying job and in areas that we desperately need workers across the state of Indiana. The second thing is, is that it really, you know, it's a stackable credit. So it's the beginning of the process where you may get this certificate, but then you're prepared to go on to get an associate's degree and a bachelor's degree. And a fair number do, right? Over fifty percent, I think, of some of the statistics yeah. that get mm -hmm. some of the certificates go on at least to an associate's right. degree, if, if not further. Master Peter, how about this? I mean, it sounds good, and I know IUPUI, based on what you've said, and what I know about the institution is committed to workforce uh, development here in Indiana. But this particular grant would go to individuals uh, who want to get these certificates and this training at either Vincennes yes. or at Ivy Tech Community College. I, Are I you wondering where your, where your slice <laughs> of the pie is? Well, or? I think that uh, whatever helps the state of Indiana, we support that. And if you could find students um, that want to go and start a program at Ivy Tech and then transfer to another university for a bachelor's degree, I think that would be good. We need to provide a seamless education to students of India. That's all we want, to make sure that we give an opportunity for students to support that. Of course, uh, we don't want students to lose any credits. We don't want students to lose any time. So that's why we think that some of the programs that we have at the universities may be what they want to start with. Uh, but in general, anything that supports Hoosiers to get that education. And you're comfortable seeding that. that certificate uh, uh, instruction and rewarding process to those, to those, uh, to your colleges, and, or not in the case of Ivy Tech, I guess that's not Well, right now, most of, in fact, we have eliminated all the associate degrees that we have in the university. So you're clearing the, the decks for this, absolutely. for this purpose. And as you said, I mean, a lot of these students are going to continue their education. Plus, we have a companion uh, program going on right now, which is called You Can Go Back, and that's focused on the 750,000 Hoosiers who have some college but no degree. And that's 21% of the working age population in Indiana. Mm -hmm. Many of them will come back. They've come back. The, the major places where they've looked at are IUPUI, Ivy Tech, and we have a couple other schools as well, WGU Indiana. Mm -hmm. We've had 9,000 adults in a year come back and re-enroll in college who we've contacted with this program. So that's a part of so it. There is some yeah. money. And uh, then there's, there's, you're going to get your slice, too. Well, the workforce, I'm looking out for you here. <laughs> well, the Workforce Ready Grant is really, so we sent this message to people. You have some college and no degree. But we know there are all kinds of people out there who, who have no quality credential that is allowing them to really have a good job. 
or they need to be skilled up in some way. And we want to send a message to them that if you come back in one of these high need areas, you, it will not cost you. We will pay for you to do that. And we can do that because it's, without getting into the details, it's a last dollar kind of package where we use all the other uh, aid that's eligible. But the, but the message is, needs to be a clear one and a simple one. You come back in a high demand area which will increase your wage, meet an employer's need, especially in a high demand area, and thereby improve the economy of the state of Indiana. It's a triple win, but the message has to be clear. Um, finding these people is going to be difficult, and we will need the help of employers to do this well. I see many people 45 to 51, 52 years old going back to school. So to Teresa's right, the, they, uh, they know they have to have another And I do think the fact area. that these are, are uh, you know, credit-bearing is a key in this, John, because you know, we realize getting that certificate is important. It's important to you, to that individual getting a job. But we also know we need them to go further, too, right? That, that, that end stage of just getting a job with a certificate, we need Hoosiers to be thinking about how they continually stay in education so they finish the associate's degree, they finish their bachelor's degree, because we know the long-term consequences of that are huge to our state and to the individual. And so I'm, I'm, I'm really pleased it's just not about getting a certificate. It's really a pathway forward that I think is a, a launch point for people to, to that, you know, for, from certificate to associate's degree to bachelor's degree. Because the more, as Commissioner Lovers noted, the more of those folks we have in Indiana, the stronger and healthier our economy And that's where be. that notion of stackability Absolutely. comes in, where you can start putting one on top of another. Right. Mr. Pedar, as I sit here, I'm thinking, what about the poor students uh, who uh, might have an interest in religious studies, philosophy, um, the fine arts. Right. Right. I mean, as I hear this discussion, and it's certainly a, a logical discussion as, right. as we struggle with the, dealing with a, a, having a trained workforce for the 21st century. I hope we keep those. What do we, I mean, are we saying <laughs> that there's a place still for those individuals? I think, in, I think there is. Uh, uh, my, my own personal degree, PhD, is in mechanical engineering. If everyone had a mechanical engineering degree, I could have talk with them a bit, maybe easily with uh, equations, but everything would have fallen apart. We need people that could write. We need people that could translate things. We need the art. So we need to make sure that we support all areas. But then we have to find ways of giving them an edge. And that's what we are trying to do at IU, that we have created actually a program called EDGE. And that gives an edge to individuals who are in these programs, taking these courses, but they have these modules attached to their courses, online program, that gives them an edge as to how to prepare a resume. What are the skills that you need for workforce? Or we are trying to couple some certificates in a certain degree program in business with individuals in liberal arts to give them that extra edge. But we hope that we'll continue educating individuals in all areas. Uh, of interest and all and, and everyone's interested in having a meaningful career yeah, uh, and right. so what we've really focused on is uh, yes job creation meeting high demand needs but we're really talking about making sure that students earlier and adults later understand the opportunities that are out there for their jobs and we expose them to the world of work earlier so they know what those jobs are actually like uh, and uh, you know the idea that you go to school and then you get a job what we're finding is those are blurred is you know these are we're actually going to school and figuring out what we want to do at the same time. And I think that's important, whether it's a certificate or it's a master's program. You made a point in your State of, the, uh, of Higher Education speech this year that 
people need to be aware that just because you hear STEM field or tech field doesn't mean there's not room, That's correct, right. for marketing people, HR. for managers, HR. In fact, you had a line there that the uh, you may be wearing a white lab coat, not a blue coveralls or something. You, yeah. Your line, you served it up better than <laughs> I just did. But, uh, I mean, does that make sense? Absolutely. Uh, and I think, you know, at the end of the day, what you hear from employers, we need well-educated people. And a lot of times they'll come in and say, give me a well-educated person and I'll train them. Right, because I have a specific need in my employer. And so any of these things that we've talked about holistically achieve that, right? A stronger, more educated workforce is going to be better for the state of Indiana. We, we are looking for different ways to invest in that. We'll continue, I think, in this year's budget to, to, to make investments strategically in those types of programs. But look, the, the, the more educated um, and the more ed higher education uh, the people that you have, the better off we're all going to be. More internships are being offered right now. A lot now of, uh, of more of those, certainly, yeah. It seems and with, and with an eye to what future jobs Absolutely. are going to be like. I mean, and we one, have to think yeah. about the immediate need, but we need to think about how dynamic the economy is. And one, thing we, have to wrap it up one thing we haven't spoken about is that we need to have not just any old student, we need diverse student body to come to colleges. We need to make sure that we create programs that really uh, provides opportunities for people from all sorts of backgrounds, race, gender, to get right. that education that we sorely need. Fortunately, well, we appreciate the work that you all have done to ensure <laughs> that there is uh, an educated workforce for the 21st century and Thank I hope you. beyond. Appreciate your being here today to uh, talk about this very important topic. Again, my guests have been Republican Representative Todd Houston of Fishers, Democratic Representative Sheila Klinker of Lafayette, Teresa Lubbers, Indiana's Commissioner for Higher Education, and Nasser Padar, Chancellor of Indiana University, Purdue University at Indianapolis. You've heard the expression, buy low and sell high? Well, a proposed bill would have solar customers doing the opposite, net metering on the next Indiana lawmakers. And time now for our weekly conversation with Ed Feigenbaum, publisher of the newsletter, Indiana Legislative Insight. Ed, we covered a lot of stuff in the round table. My head's still spinning. What did we leave out? Well, I don't know that there was a whole bunch that, that got left out, but one, one thing that really didn't get talked about was the, the fact that the, the business tax credit that was sought for employer training by, in particular, the Indiana Manufacturers Association didn't really go anywhere in the first half of the session, and I know that that's something that, that business was, was really looking for. But, you know, I think if, if you want to, to get a little bit deeper into the, the weeds on, on some of the things, if, if you look at the, uh, the Todd Houston Workforce Ready Grant Program, you know, it really is amazing that, that for the first time we've, we've brought together the Commission on Higher Education, the Department of Workforce Development, the legislature, the governor, all on this one particular topic. And we're dealing with, you know, not just necessarily the, the 750,000 people that, that Teresa Lubbers referred to with the one part of the, the college credit uh, area, but we're really dealing with with twice that, almost twice that, I should say, you know, about 1.4 million Hoosiers who are, are of, of work, working age and don't have the college credits or don't have a whole lot of college credits and are looking at some kind of certificate program. And this is the first time that we'd be able to start them on that, that, um, that pathway to credentialing and to a job and, and that whole stackable credential program that, that Representative Houston was alluding to. We mentioned uh, some of the national press that uh, the institutions have been getting here in the programs. Todd Houston's bill, or the one you just alluded to, I should say it's more, more dance partners than just one, uh, but that even got a positive endorsement or editorial last week from the Wall Street Journal. So 
this is going to pass, I presume. Uh, and in some way, shape, or form, but we, you know, we know it also takes money, and, and there, there are questions about how much money is out there. Representative Klinker said that it looks like we're going to have a more favorable fiscal forecast. We had a, a pretty good uh, revenue, or revenue collection uh, report in February, so I think we're, we're kind of looking a little bit further up than, than we were, but you know, there, there's still some other things that, that may be um, coming into the picture. You know, we, we talked about in, in the roundtable the, the fact that we're, we're losing a little bit of the, uh, the, the money that had been going to higher education in the past, that the request wasn't quite as much. 1.65% was less for the very first time in the House budget than was requested by the governor or ICHE. That's something we're not accustomed to seeing that could get changed in the Senate. Very good. We will be waiting and watching. Ed, thank you as always for your insight. See you next week. For more information, episode streams, and other extra content, visit us on the web at wfyi.org lawmakers. You can access live streaming coverage of the General Assembly on the Internet as well. And remember, you can get our show on demand from Xfinity. Well, that concludes another edition of Indiana Lawmakers. I'm John Chuanis, and on behalf of WFYI Public Media, Indiana's other public broadcasting stations, and my colleagues at Feigenbaum and Eric Weddle, I thank you for joining us, and I invite you to visit WFYI.org for more statehouse coverage. Until next week, take care. Purdue researchers are finding new ways to treat cancer, provide drug-free therapies, advance wound repairs, reduce chronic illness symptoms, helping people, changing lives. Purdue Research Foundation. Contact innovation at prf.org.